Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Poisoner's Cabinet. I'm Sinead. And I'm Nick. And this is your weekly podcast exploring the lives of the great poisoners and poisoning cases from across the centuries and creating curious cocktails inspired by the tales that we tell. And it's episode 51. 51. So close. So close close to one year. So close to (laughs) one year. Ooh, it's exciting-ish. I guess. <laughs> Ooh, exciting-ish, maybe. Well, it's only episode 51. I mean, I, I can't drag this out much more. <laughs> <laughs> try, try, try. Okay, I'll sing and dance. I'll do a, a whole routine later on, and it will excellent. be good. There's going to be a video that comes out with this. It's going to be excellent. Yes, the song of 51, but yes. How are you, Nick? I'm all right. Bumbling yeah. along. We've hit February. February. So it is now February, which is much the same as january not, not a lot appears to have changed well it's it's just a slightly as i said on patreon it's slightly lighter slightly lighter bit spring is coming nick spring is coming spring almost here life will be skittles and life will be beer be lovely lovely what 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 now it will i'm just i'm just losing my mind and i'm just determined that february is going to be magical it's going to be excellent and if it doesn't i will just walk the streets with a shotgun and (laughs) see what happens i mean there's no one in the street so i won't kill anyone so it's fine (laughs) but those you do come across on their daily walk woe betide them i will show them the gun and shake it at them. Don't know how to fire a gun. And they're, they're, they're fine. I'll probably die of shock from firing it. Uh, any poisonings this week, Nick? Don't believe so. Don't no, believe no. so. No. No, I think we are remain safe for yet another week. Remain safe? Yes, from those mad poisoners that are out there. And no one's come knocking on your door purveying poison? No. Oh, no. Wouldn't answer the door. <laughs> They call out, poison man! <laughs> we don't open the door to other people. No, that's a very good point. Out there, madness exactly. lies. Well, speaking of door-to-door poison salesmen and, and not opening the door to strangers, I think it's time for us to thank our new Patreon subscribers. <laughs> this gets more and more weird every week, that. <laughs> I find a way to elbow this in. Oh, yes. So, thank you so much, darling people, to um, Helen C.A. To Camilla Moe. And Lella DeSmet. Thank Ooh. you very, very much. Thank all you. splendid. But all very, very sexy. Sexy, sexy Patreon subscribers. Ah, mm. they're so nice and kind. They're so nice. Also, this week, we realised that Patreon subscribers have exclusively been treated to all of Nick's China stories. 
That is true. We did rediscover that. The China that. saga. The dynasty, <laughs> if you will. Yes, Nick loves China a, 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 quite a shocking amount, actually, judging by Patreon. The China trilogy. <laughs> yes, we got the uh, the third part in the instalment, which was a brilliant story. Again, one I'd never heard of. We learned so much. So, it was a history lesson and we learned so many new things. You know, we learned about how the English are, are awful, awful, <laughs> awful people. <laughs> we knew that already. Yes. And we talked about the great duck of Canterbury as well. Well, absolutely. Yes, yes. If you want to know what we're talking about, you need to head over to Patreon and sign up and then immediately cancel your subscription because you go, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Don't encourage people to do that. Oh, trust me. I'm I'm so confident in the product that as soon as they get uh, a taste of it, they won't be able to resist it. Much not. like the Opium Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. I like, I like what you did there. Well, Nick. Hello. Are you ready? Mm. To drink cocktails and talk about poison. I think a cocktail would be quite tasty right about now. Or we could drink poison and talk about cocktails. But where would we get our poison from? The poison man has not been this week. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a point. We keep shooing him away. We're not yeah, thinking absolutely. this through. My supply is dwindling. Indeed. He's somewhere with his cart crying softly like, will no one buy my poison? <laughs> my best customers have abandoned me. He needs to feed his children. But is he an essential worker? Oh, that's a is good point. Is he selling essential things? I, I say yes. If he's a time traveling poison man, then yes, he probably thinks he is. He's like, <laughs> why will no one buy my poison? I don't understand why I've got so much leftover poison because everyone's addicted to it back where I come from. Well, good. Okay, we've decided on the first one. Hooray, 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 hooray. But as we established, we can't, we can't, we can't possibly tell a story without a cocktail in hand. Oh, no. And it's my story this week. Yay! As it's my story, I got to pick the secret ingredient. As you know, every week we pick a secret ingredient that is inspired by the tale that we tell that will flavour our cocktail of the week. And this week's secret ingredient is... Mm. Rice. You know, I'm actually surprised we haven't had this before. We, we've talked of rice well, in many a story. Yeah, we've certainly yeah. brought it up. So I'm surprised we haven't had this. So it's an interesting ingredient. Yeah. Yes. I gave you some other options that you went absolutely fucking not. Yes, you did get some, <laughs> some curious ones. And I thought, no, let's go with rice. That might be slightly easier to do. Yes. <laughs> Less fun, I admit. But Less fun. And I had another one, a secret one that, that you'll hear in the story as well. And I think you'll be very pleased that I did not <laughs> make this the, the secret ingredient. But with rice as the inspiration or the ingredient, for the cocktail master mixologist nick what have you come up with well i mean actually someone nailed it on the head on the social so (gasps) we are indeed doing a sake a cocktail yay very exciting yes indeed so obviously a rice-based beverage now are you a sake fan i would do you know what i've never had it really have you never never had it i've never had i don't think i've ever well not that it sticks in my mind not that i can say oh i had it then if i have i've forgotten about it (laughs) it was a weird which is probably because i had loads of it and then i just like blanked it (laughs) yeah it's not something that you down that much so uh, i have uh, i have actually been to japan yeah yes and I was uh, taken, I don't, taken, but just hostage. No, I was, <laughs> I was taken out for the evening, again taken hostage, but brought to a sake house, which was lovely, by a lovely Japanese family. And we went to an authentic sake house, didn't speak any English. And uh, Was that you or the Japanese people? Didn't speak any English at all. Oh, no I spoke English. no English. No, I just, I was just babbling incoherently by that time. But yes, had a lovely meal, but yeah, was served traditional proper sake, cold and warm. And uh, oh, mm. it's lovely. It's lovely. Goes down damn easy. And I was, and at that, oh God, and I far too late into the meal, I realised the host kept ordering more dishes. Stop eating it! And yes, and I was just chucking stuff down and yeah, yeah, clearing my plate. Bankrupting your your host. I know. And then halfway through, I was like, 
no, no, about three quarters of the way through, I went, oh, I better leave a morsel. And I could just sort of see them sigh with the leaf, like, oh, thank God, bring dessert. We can fill our, feed our children this month. <laughs> oh, but, and I didn't want to stop eating it because it was delicious. <laughs> but they were all watching me like, oh, I really need to stop eating. We finished half an hour ago. Come on. <laughs> oh, I just thought they were fascinated by my stories. They were just staring wide eyed at me going, she's a remorseless eating machine. <laughs> So, yeah. So that's my experience with sake. But I think tonight we'll top it, clearly. (laughs) Uh, So with sake as the fantastic, splendid ingredient, what have you come up with? There are actually, there's quite a few sake cocktails out there. There's there's a lot of sort of, oh, it's a sake daiquiri or a sake martini and Mm. that's that sort of thing. So I thought, uh, don't know well exactly. Can't be doing with that. So gone with something a bit different. I mean, the list of ingredients sounds most curious. I have to oh. say, I hate the name. Oh, okay. The name of this cocktail, I hate, but I think it could actually be quite a nice cocktail. Um, okay. So the mm-hmm. name, and I can't change it because it's not my cocktail, so I can't just go and change mm-hmm. it. So it's called a Damn It Jimmy. Damn It, Gi- damn it Jimmy. Yeah. Damn It Jimmy. <laughs> that is weird. It's just weird. <laughs> For what I think is going to be quite a light, delicate sort of thing. cocktail... Um, (laughs) to have a name yeah well it's quite fun like damn it Janet or damn it John from Fry and Laurie okay well I'm intrigued to try it because sake itself is so lovely and we could just drink sake and we could just sit here and tend to be sophisticated so putting it into a cocktail I'm really curious to see if this works or not and I really hope it does because again I've not been drinking this week and god damn it I need a drink (laughs) something delicious so Nick has delivered me the secret ingredients and everything mixed up in my special poisonous cabinet bottle and it's time for us to go to our isolation kitchens and shake up a storm so we'll see you in a minute we'll see you in a bit and we're back hello the Damn It Jimmy. Mm. Damn It Jimmy. It's an aggressive name for a very it is. pretty drink. Well, precisely. It is a very sophisticated looking yes. drink. Elegant. I mean, it could be when we drink it, it could be like a smack around the face. So it could well deserve <laughs> its name. Well, maybe it will make us cry out. Damn It Jimmy. It's served in a martini glass. And we, I don't think we've had a martini style for a long drink time, for, actually. A, for a while. Yeah. And it's, it's a welcome change. Indeed. Beautiful kind of almost silvery golden hue yeah it's not quite gold not quite silver it doesn't know what it is but it seems confident and perfectly <laughs> chilled exciting so damage i mean we know there's sake in it and a number yes. of other concoctions that i'm worried about and there's sake and a number okay, of other things okay right so i think it's time for us to dive in and try because you won't tell me what's in it until i've tasted it cheers let's have a little sip merry christmas merry christmas that is exceedingly pleasant Ooh. I'm actually very surprised by that. That is extremely nice. I, I, I think it has entirely the wrong name. That is far too yeah. sophisticated. Yeah, it doesn't smack you around the face at all. That's just very... Oh, it's so smooth and just delicate. and It's like a, it's like a whisper across <laughs> a Japanese garden. Now I'm going to have a second sip here because there's a lot of complex flavours here. I had a sip of another drink and I feel stupid now. I should have just kept my palate pure for this. Hang on. That is a damn fine drink mm, it's an interesting one i'm not going to go as far as you going it's the greatest thing i've ever put in my mouth i think it's the greatest (laughs) thing ever but i think it's i think it's up there with some one of the some of the top ones we've made i have to say i really like that i really like it i'm not sure that i give it as much praise as you would but i do really like it because there's a yeah 
it is very elegant and it's very martini. I think I'm just confused because I know there's sake in there and I can <laughs> taste the wine. I can taste the rice wine, which is a very, very different flavour to white wine or anything else like that. But it's in there. But what is what has made this concoction? Talk us through it, and then that might that might order my thoughts. I'm not gonna lie; it's not one of the simplest of cocktails. It's got quite a few things in it, Ooh. but they balance very well. We've mm. actually got rum. What? There's there's white rum. Shut up. In there. Yep. Lies. There's rum in there. We have sherry. Uh, uh, what? And we ha- we have um, a dry vermouth, which is okay, something that's, that's that you, acceptable. That's, that's what you expect, um, and a, a tiny drop of uh, sugar as well. What? happen that doesn't make sense to me no there's sake yeah. there's rum that list it's got the same quantities of rum as it does sake in there what it does not taste like that at all not in the slightest God, i suppose you just think rum and sherry it would be uh you would expect it to be a have a bit more of a kick to it potentially well, yeah a bit more warmth a bit more earthy i suppose flavors ish i guess or a bit mm-hmm. more aromatic I don't know what I'm saying. I'm just I know, you're, you're, really you're, you're saying excellent words. I have no idea if any of them are relevant to the cocktail. But uh... I think this is the thing that the cocktail has done. I'm just saying words. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> but it's it's a really elegant tasting drink. It is really nice. It looks beautiful. And it really does feel like a proper martini. If you mm. hadn't told me what was in that, I would think it was some sort of twist on a martini, like a like a Vespa. Yeah, absolutely. You would think that perhaps, perhaps there's some gin in there or something yeah. like that. And the dry vermouth, absolutely. But I mean, rum, I mean, the sherry, I have to say, the sherry is in a a very small amount the third i've just had the third sip which is maybe a mistake before i read out a story but they're the yeah the flavors are mellowing and they're all coming together. oh yeah it's it's a good one i don't i'm so confused by that i don't know whether i like it or not i do like it i just don't know i don't know I'm, my world has been shattered <laughs> <laughs> well i'm sure everyone has white rum not hard sherry there's there's a, enough sherry aficionados out there if you have sake you probably have the other ingredients too so, yeah, mix it up, guys. I think it's probably more likely that our American listeners may well have the ingredients for this. Yes. Um, rather than our UK or European people. But yeah, I mean, obviously the recipe will be out on Friday. So I would really, if you can, give it a go. I only bought a small bottle of sake for this because I didn't know if I was going to like it. Um, and I'm now slightly wishing I bought a bigger bottle because um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely making this one again. Let's go and buy all the sake <laughs> this weekend, Nick, and experiment. Well, people, do you have... Do you like sake? Are there sake fans out there? And do you have favourite cocktails? Have you tried it in a cocktail? You know what? This is the one to start it with. Because a a terrible name, but a very elegant drink. What is slightly more frustrating as well, because this was actually made by Simon Difford. No way! Yeah, he, he's he's the one who created this when he was um, he worked in the cabinet room. But but what? I have to say, mate, why did you pick that name? <laughs> I'm sure it was an in in joke or something like that. Or, yeah, I feel like I maybe know. that he and someone else were working on the name, <laughs> and one of them was just coming up with terrible names the whole way through all of it. And the guy just went, "Damn it, Jimmy!" And he said, "Fine, that's what we'll call it then." Maybe so. You, I, you haven't come up with anything better. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It did sort of take me back slightly to like a Star Trek thing. We, we you got McCoy going, damn it, Jim! Damn it, Jim, I'm a doctor! <laughs> I'm a doctor, not a bartender! <laughs> I love it. Okay, well, with our damn it Jimmys firmly in hand, are you ready for a story, Nick? Oh, I should think so. Ah, lovely. So with a beautiful cocktail with sake, a taste of the Orient, it would be nice if I was taking us far east to the beautiful land of Japan to tell you a story of poisoners, old and new. Uh, we're in Croydon, aren't we? Oh, oh, Nick, it's so exotic where we're going. <laughs> or Essex, 
That's east. Would it shock you to know that we are heading to the glamorous plains of Essex? Oh, ah, oh, excellent. <laughs> Indeed, you got you beat me to it. You, did, knew the, you knew all the classy places there. <laughs> now, if I say the words poison panic to you, Nick, what do you think of? I think sort of Victorian arsenic in your, your porridge um, mm. type type affair. Yes, the furore around Absolutely. certain poisons. Arsenic in your, in your wallpaper and in your cosmetics and yeah, in your porridge and... Your family. Your well. family, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, if this podcast has taught us nothing, and it hasn't, is that poisons caused quite the stir in Victorian England and with more and more cases of malicious murders and toxic tiffs emerging every week, it seemed. Now, while we know the history of poisons across the ages, and we have covered those very well... Yes, hello. Oh, no, I'm just... I'm just want to applaud toxic tiffs i love that <laughs> <laughs> i was very proud of that, that was very good, very good yeah. i had to put my hand up for that one but it's very good <laughs> the ferrari around certain poisons had to start somewhere in england this poison panic had to start somewhere and where else did it start but the glamorous plains of essex nick <laughs> come with me now come with me now to essex have you been to Essex in the summer? I have. Yes, we're going to the glamorous plains, the great, great plains of Essex. America can't even compete with Essex. Absolutely, with those herds of wildebeest that go across the plains. <laughs> so many of them in Essex. There's just one raggedy one in a mini skirt going out clubbing. <laughs> and as we're in Essex, we are going to tell the story of someone who stirred the pot of poison panic more than anyone else. The infamous Sarah Chesham. So you say infamous like I've never heard of her. Well, you'll be surprised. She was a woman who was either the victim of a cruel miscarriage of justice or she was quite possibly the greatest poisoner of them all. Okay. So here we are in Essex. Uh, Sarah Chessman. Now, I keep wanting to say Cheeseman. Okay. I don't know why it is a thing. If I say it during this episode, just ignore it, people. I say Chessam is her surname. I am seeing cheese every time I read it. <laughs> Sarah Chessman was born in 1809 in Essex. And surprisingly, not much is known about her childhood. But it's fair to say she did not come from wealthy stock. <laughs> she would marry a labourer named Richard and they would live in a small village called Clavering or Clavering. It's an agricultural village in Essex at the time, mostly made up of labourers and farmhands. So very much the you know, salt of the earth kind of people. There is one impressive home in the village, that of the Newport family, who were landowners and had a healthy staff at their very fancy farm. But there were no such luxuries like the fancy farm for Sarah Chesham, who was crammed into a tiny in a cottage with her husband and was pregnant by the age of 19 and would go on to have six children. Oh. Well, it was the style at the time. It was. It was. What else was are you going to do? the style at the time. What exactly? Yeah. Like labouring, babies, labouring, more babies, a bit more labouring. Same thing, babies. really, isn't it? Labouring, then labouring later. <laughs> well, you can imagine this cottage. They also shared part of the property with a painter named Thomas Deards. He had a couple of rooms in this cottage and like a thin partition wall that separated him from the rest of them and basically separated him from this squalling baby farm that was happening next door. <clears throat> but in January 1845, uh, Sarah has had all of her children by then, but two of Sarah's sons become desperately ill. Joseph, aged 10, and James, aged eight. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yes, oh. they were vomiting, had lots of stomach pains, dizzy. What could it just... be? What could it be? What horrible fate could have befallen these poor, poor, innocent children? Did 
asked Sarah what was wrong with the lads these poor boys because he can hear them being unwell because there's Mm. very little separating his house from theirs and Sarah explained that one of the boys Joseph had fallen ill after being hit with a stick by Thomas Newport right I mean that is that'll do it to you being hit hit with a stick is going to make you ill yeah those famous poison sticks poison poison sticks absolutely with that Thomas Newport of the big house apparently she claimed that um, he he had hit one of her sons and now both of them were sick that's me that's the way medicine works it is sticks, the greatest poison of them all. <laughs> 18th century medicine was mainly stick-based. 19th, 19th century. 19, yeah, my apologies. <laughs> mm. Keep in mind 19th century medicine while we go through this. <laughs> Despite their illnesses, Sarah chose not to call a doctor. But when her husband Richard came home that day, he found the boys vomiting profusely. And he does go to the doctor, goes straight to the doctor, to a local surgeon named Mr. Hawkes. And Mr. Hawkes knew just what to give the father to take home to cure the sons. Sticks. Sticks covered in leeches. Uh, laxatives. Right. Um. Which, which is exactly what you want when your children are vomiting a lot. Absolutely. You're vomiting diarrhoea. Have some laxatives. Absolutely. Yes. Get rid of whatever's in your body. <laughs> it's not a good mix, especially when you hear what happens next. Mm. See, the boys' bedroom... They share a bedroom, and that bit extends over Mr. Deard's portion of the house. Right. And this is an old house. It's not very well kept. And not only could the painter hear the boys' terrible cries of pain at night and their groans, but in the morning, the vomiting was so much that it began to seep through oh, the floorboards and drop down onto his kitchen table. Nice. Some sort of buckets may be in order, I feel. Uh, several buckets, possibly. <laughs> yes. You can imagine the vomiting. You don't really want to add laxatives to that mix. No, indeed mm. not. So Did's obviously distressed by one, this. One would imagine so, yes. He, I think he's thinking of the welfare of the children, but also of all of his food. <laughs> and he bangs on the door to Sarah's property. He gets no answer. And he can hear the children are in pain in his house. And he goes out and he later sees Sarah merrily about the town just you know devil may care nothing wrong at all and he goes up to her he can't believe that she's left her sons mm. screaming in agony in the house Mrs Chessman he says are you aware of how bad your children are we can scarcely live in the house <laughs> there's poo running down the walls <laughs> Have you seen what we're living in? <laughs> and Sarah replies that she will go home and alter the situation. <laughs> okay. Alter the situation. I like alter that. Alter the situation. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Diz goes home later. Fine. Okay, she's going to take care of it. Still the boys are vomiting. Still coming through the ceiling. <laughs> and there's no one home. She's still not there. The vomit is probably now filling the room. He's wading through it. And he again finds Sarah still out in the street. I don't know what she's doing. Singing, dancing, doing God knows what. He demands she's got to do something to help her sons for the common decency. And also, I'm going to have to sell my house. And it's not going to go for a good price. (laughs) No doctor is called. Even later that night, Sarah, instead of going for a doctor, knocks on Deard's door and says to him to come into the house because she thinks her son is dying now. And he's like, yes, I know. I can see. (laughs) I'm covered in his death throes. But he goes into the house and sure enough, he finds Joseph dead. And James, the other brother, is extremely weak. Now, finally, finally, the surgeon, Mr. Hawkes, attends. He knows just what to prescribe. More laxatives. (laughs) That's what these people mean. Deer's going to be losing his mind now. Please don't add to this situation. No, no more. <laughs> the good thing is the doctor also gives the kids opium. Oh, I mean, that'll do it. Exactly. A little, little right flashback out. to Patreon there as well. As we learned in the Patreon episode, opium sorts you right out. As you can imagine, these medicines do not work. James sadly dies a couple of days later. He follows his brother and the two sons are buried at the local church. Hawks does request a post-mortem. But Sarah refuses to grant one. And he just goes, fair enough, 
signs it off as cholera. Oh, I mean, I mean uh, cholera why is not? The, it's the, absolutely, it's the go-to. If you're dying of cholera, you don't give laxatives. That's the first instance of any doctor giving laxatives that we've heard of on this podcast. You know, our medical knowledge is not complete. I mean, but... there is that, yes, but um, no... It seems a strange go-to, I'm vomiting here, have some laxatives. Obviously, you need to get rid of a lot more fluid. Yeah, it's no. No- nothing else apart from laxatives. I don't think I would trust the doctor to do the post-mortem anyway. He'd probably faint when he saw that we're all red inside <laughs> or something. But now let us leave. Let's leave Sarah and her bereft family. And we're going to go across the town to the fancy farms of the Newports. Remember I mentioned the Newports? The ones with the sticks. The ones the one with, with the, the sticks. poison sticks. Yep. They, they grow them in the field. <laughs> But it's a fancy farm. It's not a fancy farm. It's just a farm. Comparative to everything else in the village, it's just a farm. They're not making lace or breeding peacocks or anything. That would be a magnificent farm if it was. <laughs> but it's now spring in 1845, just after the deaths of Sarah's sons. And one of the Newport sons, Thomas, allegedly the man with a stick, he is having a few troubles of his own. You'll see, he's a wealthy young man in this one-horse town. Actually, being a rural community, it's probably got more There's than probably one a horse. lot of horses going yeah, on, It's I about think. 90 horses yeah. and one cocktail bar. It's very <laughs> distressing. He has been having a little fun, shall we say, with the, mm. with the servants, with uh, the staff. Mm, mm, mm. Mm. So much so that one maid, Lydia Taylor, is suddenly dismissed from her post after it was found out she was pregnant. Scandal. Scandal, scandal, scandal. horror. Of course, Thomas takes an initial interest in the situation. You know, a, a, a paternal interest, shall we say? <laughs> and he offers Lydia a solution to her troubles. Was it stick-based? He tried to offer her the stick. She was not interested in that. He'd done that the first time and then she wound up pregnant. But <laughs> he said, just take this medicine and all the baby problems will go away. Mm. Yes. Yeah, so as you may have guessed, Thomas is the father of the child yes. and certainly does not want a bastard baby messing up his fun. He offers Lydia some medicine. It is alleged at the time. We don't know what it is. We don't know if it is an old wives remedy to flush out a baby or whether it is just straight strychnine and he's looking to kill two birds with one stone. Okay. Luckily, Lydia is not stupid. Good. And she refuses him. Absolutely not. I'm not taking anything from you apart from some money. Yes. But she goes to her parents' home. She has her baby, a son called Solomon. Solomon, very good, good name. name. Good, good name. name, good yeah. name. Now, after the birth of Solomon, Lydia's mother rightly goes to visit Thomas, demanding that he provide for his child. Thomas just throws a few coins her way, but is clearly determined that this is going to be the end of the matter. Not so. The family say, you need to be paying child support for this mm. baby. You need to be responsible for your actions. But he doesn't want to support a baby. He needs to do something about this. He's going to need a solution. And maybe he's going to need some help with the matter at hand. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Was it the last laxative doctor? <laughs> yes, that's the doctor's solution to everything. Absolutely. Trust me. Laxatives. You're pregnant. Have some lax. Sort you right out. Exactly. That's how you birth a baby, isn't it? Why do we keep paying him? He doesn't. He's not even qualified. <laughs> Nick, it's 1846. It is. Yes, I agree. Lydia is taking care of her son Solomon in her parents' home. It's quite nice. In one of the accounts, the parents' home is, is described as a hovel, but a clean one. Well, absolutely. You've got to take some pride in where you live. <laughs> exactly. Sweep up the hovel every day. Live under a hill, but it's going to be tidy and well well swept. Living under a hill sounds quite nice. It's kind of hobbity. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's it'd very, be very It'd be very warm. You know, the bills would be amazing. And if it's a hobbity, there's lots of cheese. Oh, God, yeah. Lots of cheese. Snacks. Uh, snacks. Yeah. Hobbits like snacks. I like snacks. I like snacks, too. We're getting off topic, I fear. We are. <laughs> Keep snacks in mind, people. There's snacks coming. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Lydia has a bonny new baby. And a bonny new baby in a small village, especially one with a little air of scandal about it, it's always going to be a bit of a spectacle. And especially in a village where nothing much else happens. So people want to come and visit the baby and visit Lydia and have a little chat with her. Many new friends and acquaintances call in to see the child. Oh, it wasn't like a, was it like a three pence to see the bastard? <laughs> <laughs> oh, she could have been doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's a brilliant idea. <laughs> <laughs> as far as we know no people just uh. wanted out of the goodness of their heart to come and see a child i'm more in the kind of charging for that because i don't understand it when people bring yeah. babies into an office and force them in your face no like, they not no yeah. no don't do that don't do that but one day lydia receives a visit from a woman she, she sort of vaguely knows but is very keen to see the baby she's not only keen to see the baby she's brought gifts fine beautiful gifts some beautiful rice pudding ah uh. uh, maybe uh. Uh. Um, she's also brought apple turnovers. Mm, Ooh, nice, nice apple turnover. I wonder if our American listeners know what a, an apple turnover is. Yes, of course they do. Do they? I don't know. Is it a British? It's an apple hot pocket. <laughs> See? <laughs> I know the lingo. I what an apple turnover is. I don't know. But to, to prove me wrong, people. But yes, she's brought rice pudding, apple turnovers, butter, tea, and sugar. She's really paying fancy. her way yeah. in. Yeah, yeah. Such generosity from this lady. And Lydia receives these gratefully. And the lady caller goes and picks up baby Solomon to hold. And they're talking. But within moments, the child cries out and is very noticeably quite unwell. And the mother rushes, rushes to her son. And she sees that there is a white slimy substance on his mouth. 
Lydia snatches her child back and she demands to know from this woman, what have you done to my son? Why does he have this mixture on his mouth? The woman says it's sugar. I, I just gave him something sweet. There's nothing wrong. I just wanted to give him a treat. I brought you gifts. <laughs> Lydia sort of looks sideways at the woman and bids her farewell. And she goes out the door and says, who are you again, by the way? I'm not really sure who you are. <laughs> Doesn't that go down, down too well to this, in this day and age? Yeah. Well, the woman, <laughs> as she leaves, she gives her name. Mrs. Sarah Chesham. Yeah. What is Sarah Chesham doing at the house? What's she up to? Something sneaky? Lydia knows something is not right. This is a woman who barely knows her and comes to her house with expensive gifts. Well, yeah, I mean, sugar and stuff like that is going to be pricey. Wanting to pick up the baby, wanting to do stuff to the baby. What's happening? Now, is Sarah mad? Or is she acting under the orders of someone else? Perhaps, I don't know, I'm just going to pluck this name right out of the top of my head. Thomas Newport, a man who could easily Mm. afford such luxuries. Well, this is true. A man who would have heard the gossip in the town about Sarah's sons mysteriously dying and rumours that it was Sarah who had actually done away with her young sons. A man who Mm. may have even been having an affair with Sarah, it was whispered and alleged. Or perhaps he was simply someone that Sarah had taken a fancy to and she wanted to win his favour by getting rid of his biggest obstacle. That's quite dramatic, though. I love you, I'll kill children. (laughs) (laughs) It's a, it's, a, it's, a slight, it's a slightly weird way to win someone's affection, I must admit. Well, Lydia thankfully throws away all the food that Sarah had brought her. Tempting as it is. And that must have been tough. Mm. And you're like, oh, that apple turnover looks damn tasty. But yes, she throws away all the food. She won't fall for such tricks again. Solomon is ill, but he gets better. But Sarah, in the background, is pretty set on her task and her methods become far less subtle. If you could call that first attempt <laughs> subtle at all. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm intrigued what less subtle is going to be like. Well, here's one instance. Sarah repeatedly begs for a visit back to the child. Lydia's like, okay. no, who are you? Go away. <laughs> she's insisting she's a good character. It's all a misunderstanding. She wants to see the child. She is, she is so persistent, so persistent to the point of being such an annoyance that Lydia goes, okay, fine, come into the house and see the child, but I'm going to hold the baby the whole time. Hmm. Sarah comes in, grabs the child out of her arms and runs down the street. <laughs> subtle, yeah, subtle, subtle, yes, I appreciate that. Literally snatches no the baby. <laughs> oh, God. And Lydia understandably gives chase. Runs, yes. runs. Oh, one, one would hope. <laughs> We're not going to stand there going, oh, I've lost another one. Oh, get, damn it all. <laughs> damn it, Jimmy. Oh, damn it all. <laughs> babies run away. Oh, no. Well, there it is. That's how we lose babies in this day and age. <laughs> exactly. These things happen. <laughs> No, Lydia rightly gives chase and is quite distressing. Runs down the street, sees Sarah wiping her hands on her apron and she sees her child being sick, sees a pink sort of substance or ointment around his mouth, wrestles the child back, get rid of Sarah, get into the house. Solomon is ill for three weeks. Oh, Christ. But recovers. Good. Okay. You'd think the matter would be dealt with by then. Oh, I have a feeling it's not going to be. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Sarah now waits for the time when Solomon is weaned from his mother and his mother can leave the house and leave the baby in the care of her own mother. So Sarah waits for this point, then goes into the house while Lydia's mother is watching the child, snatches the baby again, runs down the street and this time succeeds in putting something into the baby's mouth. Mm, sneaky, sneaky behaviour. Yeah, not just residue, something's in the baby's mouth. Again, they wrestle the baby back. Sarah runs away. But this time the child does get very, very ill. 
It's not well at all. And the family decide now action has to be taken. Action has to be taken on, on two parts. They take Thomas Newport to court to Petty Sessions and demand that he pay child support. Absolutely. While they're there, they also bring charges against Sarah. For being the crazy bitch. Yeah, accusing her of trying to kill <laughs> Solomon and go, we have all of this evidence of her running down the street cackling with a baby. While Thomas forks out for his son, Sarah is brought to court. And now the rumour mill begins. Her sons, people whisper. She did away with her sons. There are even rumours that she tried to kill more of her own children. And she's been asking about poison pest control powders around the town. Everyone is talking about Sarah. So an order is issued to exhume the bodies of James and Joseph Chesham. And their stomachs are sent off for examination by none other than Professor Alfred Swain Taylor, the famous toxicologist. Oh, how very fancy. And what do you think he finds, Nick? Nothing. Nothing at all. It's entirely natural. All been blown out of all proportion and everything is Just fine. Just biscuits. 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 Of course, he finds arsenic. Oh, arsenic. Arsenic alarm. Arsenic alarm. Arsenic alarm. Enough arsenic to kill a grown man. Mm. Unfortunately, during the investigations, little Solomon has died. Ah, boo. Boo, I say. But when they examine his body, they find that he has died from organ failure. It's Uh not the poisoning attempts that have killed him directly, but the poisoning attempts can be assumed have done enough damage to his organs, to his body, that he can't take the nutrients that he needs. He, he just can't survive beyond that. So poison hasn't directly killed him. It's indirectly killed him. Well, there's been lots of like poisoning, get better, poisoning, get better. So that's going to leave its mark, isn't it? On It's not going to do the child any good. Well, exactly. Developing organs and things like that. It's not going to no. get over something like that. That means that there's no arsenic left in his body if that's been used awaiting her trial sarah writes to thomas newport protesting her innocence and saying that she is suffering because of his crimes oh so daring so daring of course the court officials open the letter and they just examine what she's been writing to everyone else i mean sarah probably knows that the letter is going to be opened oh absolutely and read. god yes mm. and it resulted in her standing trial in 1847, and Thomas standing trial for aiding and abetting her. Oh, intriguing. And of course, Sarah was acquitted. Really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. The defence was that there was no proof that she had poisoned her sons. So someone had poisoned her sons, but... No arsenic was found in her house. There was no record of her buying any. There weren't records at the time. Mm. There was no evidence that she had... cured arsenic and then given it to her sons if the sons had arsenic in their system well who knows was it just a natural amount of arsenic that they had it's just those rocks they were eating she was a good mother a kind mother and so there was not enough evidence to convict Mm. little solomon there was no proof that the child had died of poisoning no traces were found in his stomach and the prosecution for this case was withdrawn so sarah on three possible counts of murder walks free Thomas Newport's charges were also dropped. Boo, boo to him, boo to him, he's a bastard. So Sarah went back (laughs) to her village, quite free and confident, having escaped prosecution for the alleged murder of three children. Can't imagine she was overly popular when she got back. Well, she became known as Sally Arsenic. (laughs) Okay. Oh, Sally such and such, Sally such and such, Sally Arsenic, Sally Arsenic. Arsenic. Right, okay. And the rumours followed her everywhere Mm. that she went. I can imagine. You'd think this would be the end of our tale. But of course it isn't the end of the story, Nick. There is a final chapter 
to Sarah's story and one that would change the course of poisoning history. Now, through the 1840s, the panic that we talked about at the top of the episode has begun to bubble up. The panic about arsenic, the panic about poisoning. Sarah Chesham's case was just one of several in Essex involving rural communities that were rocked by murder cases. Arsenic, which was so readily available on farms and in rural communities for pest control and was sold with impunity. No one had to record what they were buying. No one had to give a reason for getting it. It was just assumed that it would be used for the powers against rats or ants. Or just very annoying horses. (laughs) Arsenic suddenly began to be wielded by the likes of Hannah Southgate and Mary May, other poisoners who we may cover in future episodes. And suddenly the world lived in fear of arsenic suddenly being slipped in your tea, how easy it was to access it and how easy it was to kill. Mm -hmm. Sarah goes back to her home village. After escaping prosecution, the papers are calling her a murderess for hire. (laughs) Oh, nice. They are spreading all sorts of rumours about her. All the villagers are gossiping about her. Following these trials, Edward Bulwer-Lytton wrote a novel called Lucretia Clavering, based on her. (laughs) Yes, subtle, isn't it? Yeah, subtle, yeah. Yes, but as you can imagine, panic about arsenic is bubbling up. Murder cases are being splashed across the headlines every single month and week and day. Almost not every day. Daily, daily death. Daily death, but this panic would come to a head in 1850 where we once again find Sarah Chesson lovingly tending to her poor, poorly husband, Richard. Richard, who was lost two sons. Oh, poor Richard. And who has been labouring away and tending the land of his village. But Richard, who has fallen very, very ill the previous winter and is displaying all the suspicious signs, vomiting, stomach pains, terrible, terrible illness. And who do they call in? Mr. Hawks again. Oh, God. The world's worst so surgeon. So they're still in the same village? Oh, yeah, yeah. He goes, she goes back to, to Clavering. Oh, I th- I, I'd assume that you would, after such sort of hounding and reputation and people pointing and staring, they, you, one would move on to somewhere no. else and get a fresh start. I'd she say. goes back to her village. She goes back to her home she village embraces and she her, stays there. Her arsenic Sally nickname. She has a family there. She has her children there. She has a husband there who has a job. She's got a house. Small shitty house. It's full of vomit by now. Absolutely. (laughs) Hopefully they clean the poo off the wall. (laughs) Well, you know, Um. the painter next door is like got his work cut out for him. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) No, Mr. Hawks comes back in. The surgeon who treated the two dead sons who would have known about Sarah's trial and the numerous accusations against her. And he proclaims he is unable to determine what's wrong with Richard. Is it laxatives? Did he go to laxatives again? Too many laxatives, that's the problem. He hasn't had just the right amount. Sarah does not call anyone else in for a second opinion. What a surprise. What a surprise, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And Richard dies in May. After falling ill in December, he has... That's a lengthy illness. Long, slow illness. At the post-mortem, Hawks is there, and he deems it to be a disease of the lungs. (laughs) Now, it's possible... How did this man ever get a licence? It's possible that Richard did have consumption or a disease of the lungs. It's entirely possible. Luckily, there was another doctor there who's standing with his hand up going, his insides are on fire. This (laughs) serious irritation here. We need to get this stomach examined properly. (laughs) His stomach has dissolved. Have you missed that? What's going on? There's just a skull and crossbones just exiting from his body in a puff of smoke. (laughs) It's not normal, Mr. Hawks. It's not. 
off the insides go to Professor Alfred Swain Taylor. And of course, Sarah is once again under suspicion of poisoning. Now, as the insides are being examined, the authorities search the house. And Sarah is fine with them searching the house. Absolutely no problem. Search everywhere. Look in the cupboards. Look in the drawers. What are you doing in the kitchen? What What are you doing? What are you doing with my special big bag of rice? <laughs> rice twice. Also, it wasn't the rice pudding. Mm, well, oh, we had a, we mm, had a double rice. Well, wait, how do you make rice pudding with rice? With rice. With rice. With rice. Yes, they start poking around the big bag of rice and they say, oh, we'll take this away with everything else. And she's very attached to the rice. She's like, no, no, (laughs) I use that to make my milk puddings for my husband when he was sick. I'm very emotionally attached to the rice. Please leave it and my memories with it. (laughs) Yeah, they take the rice away and she's not happy about that. And when they search it and they send it off for analysis, it is found to be loaded with arsenic. Mm. Now, rice can produce arsenic as we all know this is why well, everything every, it's a naturally <laughs> occurring thing so everything has a little bit of arsenic oh everything has it in america if you're eating chicken you've got there's arsenic in your chicken trust me it it really really is rice does naturally produce arsenic so that's why don't leave rice on the side like seriously like rice can give you really serious what, what are you talking about it's, now, it's, I, now this I is think true you're... this is a bloody truth like if you cook rice sorry dr hawks <laughs> um <laughs> Don't leave rice on the side, you know, without refrigerating it. You have to throw rice away because it actually Because it turns into a block of ice. It does. It's arsenic and it's terrible. It will give you... That's what rice is, is small, tiny chips of arsenic. (laughs) In this case, yes. down. In this case, it's just a bag of rice, three grains of rice and just arsenic everywhere else. It's just coated in arsenic. You leave some rice out once and eat it after a while and we'll see what happens. Oh no, they'll come after me. Don't do that. But yes, the bag of rice is found to be quite quite heavily containing arsenic far more than would naturally occur with rice because it bloody does i'm googling it i'm googling it google it google it while i tell the story to our lovely listeners does rice <laughs> turn into arsenic <laughs> i'll wait i'll wait mate <laughs> all right shut up <laughs> did you not know that seriously i know one episodes that rice produces arsenic. I've not come across rice arsenic poisoning. Arsenic rice. I this is what's so great about this episode and this ingredient. Everyone was like, ah, oh, yes, it produces arsenic. <laughs> right. So that's why I don't leave rice out on the side. Mm. Arsenic and rice. Should you be concerned? <laughs> um, healthline.com. WebMD. Should I eat rice? Cancer. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, cancer. Cancer. <laughs> death. Death. Any, don't bother you being Anyway, the there's bloody arsenic in the rice. But yet again, Professor Taylor cannot prove it conclusively at the inquest that Richard died of arsenic poisoning. There is arsenic in his system, but consumption could have been a factor, or even cholera. Was it the arsenic that actually killed him? Same thing with little baby Solomon. Did that actually kill him? Well, the coroner wonders if they can instead accuse Sarah of attempted murder. Hmm? Uh, That's a good one, yeah. And they go, yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Attempted murder. Seems a lot easier. Exactly. This time there were far more witnesses for the prosecution, namely a woman from the village, Hannah Phillips, who said that she had heard Sarah confess that Thomas Newport had given her poison to kill both Lydia Taylor and the son Solomon. Sarah had also advised Hannah 
when she heard that Hannah was having problems with her husband, a troublesome husband, Sarah had said something like, oh, I wouldn't put up with it, and advised her to do away with her husband through a nice poisoned liver pie. <laughs> would you have liked it if I'd See, made liver? Liver would have been a fantastic <laughs> ingredient. Nice liver cocktail. Well, we could have made a nice cocktail and then just pate on the side. and. Well, yeah, absolutely. Some pate, yeah. Or a nice red wine and some pate. And... Oh, yeah. Oh, I could eat some pate right now. Yeah. Like Why pate? did you have to mention that? I'm now hungry. No, I want pate. Oh, pate. Pate no. soon. Trust me. Trust me. So Sarah was tried in 1850 for attempted murder. Death by pate. And this time she was convicted and sentenced to death for attempted murder. Ooh. As the judge put it, or else there would be no safety for mankind. <laughs> That's a bit... <laughs> I think it might be slightly overdramatic, <laughs> Mr. Judge. Just a little bit. She nearly killed someone. There is no safety <laughs> for mankind. There were loads of press reports at the time. The Times reported on her past saying she was regarded as a professed murderess in her own neighbourhood and mothers locked up their children when she was seen about the premises. <laughs> uh, this line I really like just for the end payoff on it. So go mm, with me on okay. it. Her case was called too remarkable to pass over for we doubt whether we will find a parallel in truths or fiction of even French life because <laughs> we know those French they're like really weird let's just have a dig at the French at the end of it even the French wouldn't do this <laughs> absolutely well I suppose we probably we were at war with the French at the time probably um, oh god yeah <laughs> <laughs> so, well, let's just don't bring like, that into it. Children have died. <laughs> so, like, not even the French did this. Not even the French did this, and they do everything. <laughs> oh, we love the French. We love their pate. We love the pate. Oh my god! Stop <laughs> saying pate. I'm so hungry. <laughs> it was also implied that she'd learned from her first trials that the trials that she was convicted on, and she'd learned, she'd listened to the toxicologists, she'd listened to the doctors, and she had learned on how to improve her methods. I mean, don't think terribly successfully because she was now convicted, but well, she yeah, learned. So- <laughs> To give the arsenic out in small, small doses, she thought she wouldn't be found out if she had just given her Uh, husband small, small, tiny doses. She thought wrong. The trial sparked more furore than any other case you might think of because this case was the culmination in so much that had been happening in Essex that people were now clamouring Parliament for action. Papers and pamphlets called for a restriction on arsenic sales there needed to be more legislation there needed to be more restriction to stop this poison just being picked up by anyone and panic grew far beyond the borders of Essex and so it was in 1851 that a bill was brought to parliament the sale of arsenic bill which sought to restrict the sale of arsenic it would bring in the register to record how much arsenic was sold and to whom and for what purpose and the date that it had been purchased and it had to be signed by the purchaser. So the arsenic register came in as a result at the culmination of all the poisoning in Essex, but this case tipped it over the edge. And on the same day that the third reading of the bill was held on the 25th of March in 1851, Sarah Chesham was hanged in Chelmsford for attempted murder in front of a crowd of 7,000 people. And she would be the last woman hanged for attempted murder. I say attempted murder seems hanging for that seems a bit dramatic. That's why she was the last. Yeah, indeed. So I can see. Yeah. Mm. And that is the story of Sarah Chesham and Poison Panic, the case that started it all. That's a very good story. I yeah. like that story. I should put a little postscript to this. There are a few people who believe that Sarah was innocent. 
that she was mm. innocent of these crimes. Now, of course, I've put a slightly theatrical edge to this story, but this is based no. on a lot of research. You know, I'm doing the slightly <laughs> macabre version, but it's based on a lot of the writings. I've, I've researched this, but there are some people who say the trials were unfair. In fact, there was an episode of Murder Mystery in My Family, which is a show in in uh, Britain on the BBC, and they covered this case. Is it? And yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it is. It is a daytime thing. Um, and her descendants, descendants of Sarah, brought the case forward that this this show involves like a panel of experts reassessing old criminal cases. And they brought right. it forward and they the experts re-examined it. They concluded that she had been labelled a murderer, but that the presence of arsenics in the bodies was circumstantial and that she, based on the evidence that was presented, she shouldn't have been found guilty. Now, I have, as I said, mm. we've we've done you know, the we've erred on the side of that she was a murderer in this story. You can equally look at it the other way. Maybe there, this was all coincidence. Maybe her sons had died of cholera and there just happened to be arsenic presence in the body. Maybe all of the business with baby Solomon was just hearsay and rumour. Some of her descendants are alive today. If it was me, I probably wouldn't want to think badly of a relative. I'm just going to go on the fact that the research of a lot of people like Linda Stratman and, and all sorts of other writers is pretty strong and... There's a lot of arsenic in this story in the grand scheme of things. <laughs> I'm just going to go with there's not that much naturally occurring arsenic in all of these bodies. <laughs> really? So, yeah. yeah. So some people do think she was innocent. I'm I'm going to go no. I'm going to go with no. She, she totally killed people. Sorry. <laughs> she totally killed all the people. <laughs> but what do you think? What do you think of the story of Sarah Chesham? That's a good story. I like that story. I'm not, I'm not familiar with that tale at all. So yeah, me yeah, too. That's very good. I'm yes, I'm quite surprised you found one that I didn't know about because I thought we don't want uh, the poisoners uh, uh, uh. by now. <laughs> I did decide to delve into the start of Poison Panic because it's known that Poison Panic started in Essex, and there were several cases. And Mary May is another great case because she's such a character. There's lots of really interesting sort of family feud stories around this time. <laughs> but this is what prompted the Parliament Act. This is what the sale of arsenic mm. bill. People were just dying and killing each other willy-nilly <laughs> in the rural villages in, in London. Oh, it never would have happened. so easy. Yeah, exactly. Oh, no, I mean, in London, people are civilised. They don't do such things in London. Absolutely not. No, no death in London. Not at all. Do you think she was guilty? I think... I think it's probably likely. Yeah. Well, it's, it's strange though because so we see we can go through what the, the relationship between Thomas, the the fancy stick man, <laughs> and Sarah. Yeah. So how that relationship? But then obviously it must have been quite a a strong relationship mm. for her to go. Yes, I'll kill children for you. Or he must have offered her a huge barrel full of cash or something to persuade her to take such drastic action on. It matters not to her whether he's the bastard father or it's, not. It's a hell of a coincidence that I mean these papers were filed that she was accused at the same time as that there were, there were requests for him to pay uh, child support. I don't I don't buy into that she was just trying to get his attention. I don't think that's true. I don't I don't no, I doubt no, they were having an affair. I don't know, but no, I think it's probably more likely, as you said, that there was this rumour that she had killed her own children and he had probably sought her out going, well, you've done it before. Here, 
have a wad of cash, do it again, <laughs> type <laughs> thing. And her going, yeah, I like cash. He's not he's not the nicest of guys, really. Oh, no. Indeed. So, um, yeah. So what do you think, people? Do you do you know the story of Sarah Chesham? And have I said her name right at all during this uh, episode? <laughs> I mean, we, we vary between Cheeseman, Chesham. <laughs> I think we can conclude we were very hungry during this episode. We were talking about cheese and pate. <laughs> there was cheese and pate. And all sorts for a little bit up. off air when we were about to make the cocktail, we just talked for a very long time about olives stuffed with blue cheese. And we, did, we, yeah. we thought, oh, God, we've got to go and make the cocktail. We were just chatting about olives for a while. So we're quite peckish. So I think it's time to wrap this up. But yeah, what do you think of the story of Sarah Chesham? This is a very famous period of history in the arsenic kind of, you know, canon, really, of how poisoning changed in Victorian England and how you had to now write in a book if you were going to buy arsenic. Didn't affect a damn thing as far as many people were concerned <laughs> i mean well, there's still a lot of poisoning stories going on after this act comes in it was useful once they were caught the, the stupid excuses they put down for buying various kinds of poison but it didn't actually restrict uh, strychnine or anything else like that it was just awesome. oh no Nothing yeah. ever happened nasty with Strychnine. Nothing happened. Just gives you a jolt. And if you do enjoy a sake, then give our cocktail a go. The, the damn it, Jimmy. See what you think. Let us know. Delicious. And also, I want to be intrigued. What is your better name for the damn it, Jimmy? Let us know on Instagram or on the Facebook. I want your alternative cocktail names for this beverage. So next week, guys, is episode 52, which marks one whole year of the poisoner's cabinet we're very very proud we're very very happy that you have stuck with us and that the podcast has grown immeasurably that's very exciting but we do have some news coming out this week about season two of the poisoner's cabinet season two we're we're carrying on (laughs) there's more of us stuck with more of us we are not gonna stop we promise you we're gonna continue until we die but there are going to be some interesting things that you might want to get involved with. Uh, all will be revealed, so stay tuned on social media. Um, I'm sure you probably follow us on social media, but if you don't, do it now. And also come over to Patreon, if anything, just to listen to Nick's China stories, the trilogy. Well, quite. I mean, they are excellent. And also now you've got sake. I mean, I know it's Japanese, but it's it's nice to enjoy when you listen to the Chinese We've had ones. some Japanese stories as well on, um, have, on Patreon. We have. We have some Jap- we've had some Japanese stories going on there. I mean, it's a whole world of oh, stories yeah. um, that you're you're missing out on if you don't join us for five dollars a month. Five dollars, four pound fifty. Price of a coffee, exactly, or two coffees maybe. Very very cheap. You can join. You can cancel any time if your circumstances change. But stay with us. We will continue to churn out the stories on there. And yes, we may have uh, one or two more cult stories coming up as well. We all do love a cult. Thanks for listening, guys. We have been the people inside the Poisoner's Cabinet. We will see you next week. And remember, your loved ones are trying to kill you. Bye.